Hello and welcome to the Plus R Purist. Welcome to episode one, um, the very first episode of the Plus R Purist podcast. Um, This episode is titled The Myth of the Plus R Purist. So um, this is going to be a very informal podcast. I'm going to try to do this raw one-take episodes. There's going to be noise in the background. I live on a farm with way more animals than um, I have any business having, but I love them and I adopt them constantly. So here they are. And they're going to be fighting for my attention. You might hear pigs. You might hear a cockatoo. You might hear my cat. You, you never know. So I apologize for all the background noise, but hopefully it will make things a little more authentic um, to my lifestyle. Um, I'll try not to film it in my truck, but every now and then you guys might get some audio that's really horrible with my diesel truck in the background. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, though. Anywho, so today we're going to talk about me, we're going to talk about positive reinforcement, and we're going to talk about what it means to be a plus R purist and why it is a myth. To start out, uh, my name is Steph. I am a traditionally trained equestrian who has switched to pleasant-based or positive reinforcement-based training. Um, I grew up in the Midwest of the United States, and I've trained in saddle seat and hunters and reining and competitive trail and all sorts of fun things like that. Um, And at the end of the day, my favorite discipline was always dressage. It always has been, and it still is to this day. Um, Dressage is... um, Well, the FEI defines it as the ultimate expression of horse training and elegance. And honestly, I think that sums it up really, really well. Um, It's all about that fine-tuning, that relationship that goes into the training, as well as the elegance that comes from having a partner who is moving with you in sort of a dance. Um, Anyways, um, yes, I am the type of horse nerd that has FEI definitions memorized, um, but that's what qualifies me to make a podcast, I guess. Um, so my life consists of riding horses, training horses, working with them on the ground, um, coaching and teaching lessons, as well as I do some equine-related work. Um, I do massage and body work, um, which is like physiotherapy or physical therapy um, for horses, as well as um, nutrition work. Um, I do like nutrition consults and welfare consults and stuff like that. Um, I have lived in the U.S. and Canada while I've been training, um, and so I've done a lot through like North America, um, and I've also done a lot of higher education stuff involving horses. While I went to university, I also did an online veterinary technology course, and I took like a million equine certification courses. Um, I have everything from like humane stable management to bit saddle and tack fitting, hoof balance, nutrition, massage, body work, psychology, equine psychology, coaching psychology, equine reproduction, um, pretty much like everything you could think of. I've probably taken a course in it and if I haven't I'm probably signed up to take it because I still to this day am in courses um, to learn more and more about horses and until I run out of things to study I'm gonna keep on studying um, and I don't think we can ever run out of stuff to study. So anyways, my main, my main gig when I was in university was behavioral neuroscience. Um, that's what I really, really love. 
and um, it brought together sort of the scientific and bio um, or biological philosophies and research that I really, really loved in university with um, the animal training and the um, like the thought and neurology and psychology that went into horse training. So um, when I took all my courses, it really shaped my training theory a lot. Um, I learned that the equestrian community is um, not exactly well-loved in a lot of scientific communities and a lot of animal behavior communities um, because it has a very different training philosophy um, that, well, a different popular training philosophy than most other animal training disciplines. And I'll probably end up talking about that at some point. Um, but for now, we're going to move on to positive reinforcement training. Um, positive reinforcement is a type of training where you, um, use pleasant stimulus to reinforce behavior and encourage a horse to do what you want in exchange for treats. Um, when some people talk about a plus R purist, um, plus R is positive reinforcement. It's just the little like keyboard, um, abbreviation. Um, and when they mean purist, it's like a joking term. Um, maybe it's like a nice thing, but also a lot of the times it's like a, you're a purist, like you're an elitist and whatnot. Um, not meant to be like super kind. Um, and I am not a plus R purist for the record. Um, I am a purist, but we'll talk about what type of purist. Dun, dun, dun. You have to wait till the end. Um, so, um, why am I not a plus R purist? Like, it sounds great. Positive reinforcement. You're like using treats. You got a happy horse. You, that's how people train their doggies and doggies are happy. So why don't you want to be a plus R purist? Um, well, it's actually not totally possible to be a plus R purist. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. So positive reinforcement is one of four um, quadrants in this thing we call operant conditioning. So operant conditioning is consequence-based learning. So it's the idea that the horse gives you some sort of behavior and this behavior leads to a consequence and that consequence shapes the future behavior. So for example, let's say a horse puts, um, puts their weight on a fence, presses up against a fence to try and get grass on the other side. Um, if the horse can move through that fence and get to the grass, that reinforces that behavior. They're going to want to go search on the other side of that fence more and more, lean against it, do whatever they need to do to get to that grass. It teaches them to do that behavior. Now, if they go up to that fence and they go to get that grass and the fence zaps them and like shocks them because it's an, uh, an electric wire or a hot wire fence, then that discourages that behavior real quick. <laughs> um, so that's the idea that there's a behavior and then there's a consequence and then um, that behavior, that consequence shapes the behavior so it makes it happen more or less. Um, whenever it happens um, so that it makes the behavior happen more, that's called reinforcement. And whenever it tries to make the behavior happen less, that's called punishment. So we have these two categories. Reinforcement makes the behavior happen more. Punishment makes behavior happen less. Um, you can categorize them even further down as positive or negative. So positive and negative are mathematical terms. We're talking about like positive, you add something. Negative, you subtract something. Um, it's not good or bad. So get that out of your head. Pretend I never even said that. Um, positive 
um, is when you add a stimulus into the situation. So for example, positive reinforcement is um, when you add something into the situation to reinforce a behavior. So for example, when the horse puts its head through a fence and it gets to eat grass, that grass is a positive reinforcer. Um, same thing like when you give a horse a treat for doing something and then the horse is like, ooh, I want to do that more often because I got a treat. Um, and then they want to do it more. So that's positive reinforcement. Um, we also have negative reinforcement, um, which encourages a behavior to happen more um, by removing a stimulus or withholding or releasing a stimulus. So um, the best way to describe negative reinforcement I've found is it's the release portion of pressure release. So if you work with horses, you've hopefully heard the term pressure release, um, or maybe you have your own term that's um, the same sort of concept. So whenever um, a horse is doing something that we don't want them to do, we add pressure to the situation, and then when they do what we want, we remove the pressure, we release the pressure, and they learn from that release. That learning is negative reinforcement. Um, so for instance, maybe you want the horse to... Um, move out of your space so you add some sort of adverse stimulus maybe you like wiggle the lead rope or make a scary noise or wave your hands or something and then once the horse moves away from you you stop doing that and that's what reinforces the behavior um moving on to punishment punishment can also be positive or negative so positive punishment is when you add something to discourage behavior so for example like an electric fence would be positive punishment um another example is like if you give your horse like a whack or a bop or whatever you want to call it when you like smack them so maybe your horse just bit you so you turn around and you smack them um i've seen that happen a million times in the horse world um that's a form of positive punishment so um, your horse does something, you add an adverse, and then they go, ooh, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, like, I don't want to uh, bite the person because I got whacked and I don't like being whacked, so I'm not going to bite again. Um, then positive, um, negative punishment is the last one. Um, so negative punishment is the withholding um, or removal of some sort of stimulus to punish a behavior. Um, so, for example, you can remove, like, your attention or some treats um, or something like that, and that will discourage a behavior from happening. Maybe um, the, all of the grass dies on the other side of the fence. So now that um, re positive reinforcer isn't there anymore, so the horse isn't going to want to put their head through the fence, um, and that stops them from wanting to do that. So that would be a form of, like, negative punishment is, like, taking the grass away on the other side of the fence. Um, if you can take the grass away somehow. Anyways, um, so um, plus R, positive reinforcement, that is one quadrant, and it's only that one. It's the primary tool used for pleasant stimulus training. Um, uh, quick side note um, that I should have put in earlier is that um, because stimulus is, um, you can sort of categorize it as being pleasant or unpleasant, um, it can get confusing if we use like a positive stimulus, a negative stimulus, good, bad, blah, blah, blah. It can get confusing. So I'm just going to try to stick to pleasant or unpleasant. I might occasionally use adverse or appetitive are two more terms that are used. Um, so I'll try to stick to pleasant and unpleasant. Um, sometimes I do use adverse, which is another word for unpleasant. Um, but we'll try to stick to those descriptors. Um, so why am I not a positive reinforcement purist? Um, 
I told you all this stuff, and all you learned from that is that positive reinforcement is when you give your ponies treats, and that is good, so why do I not do that? Um, I do that. I do. Um, but I don't only do that. Um, just practically speaking, if you only use positive reinforcement, then you're only able to make behaviors happen more. You're only able to reinforce them. And that would be very problematic because there are plenty of situations where you want to tell your horse, hey, how about you don't do that? Um, and that said, you can still do it with pleasant stimulus. You don't have to use adverse stimulus to get that to happen. Um, but you're not necessarily going to be using positive reinforcement. You might also use negative punishment. Um, so often I will use negative punishment to discourage behavior. Let's say I go to give my horse their feed and they start pawing at the ground. Um, when they're pawing, that's a behavior that I don't want to happen. Um, it's undesirable. So I need to use some sort of punishment. Um, I could, as I've seen lots of, well, (laughs) as I've seen lots of people do their horses pawing, they give them a whack right? Um, so that's a form of positive punishment. That would discourage that behavior. Um, I had one cowgirl tell me that you should throw a brush at them because they can't comprehend the, like, throwing motion. They don't get it, and it's just really scary, and it makes them want to stop. Um, don't know that I condone that. Oh, wait. I, I know for a fact that I don't condone that. Okay. Anyways, um, so... There are, like, different things that you could do positive punishment-wise, but you can also use negative punishment. So let's say I'm bringing her her food and she's pawing, right? Or maybe I'm not bringing her her food. Maybe she's just, like, bored and wants my attention. Um, maybe she's, like, in a stall or in a cross ties or something. She wants my attention, so she's pawing um, to try and get attention or food or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to withhold that stimulus until she does what I want her to do instead. So um, if she's pawing at the ground to get my attention and I turn around and say, hey, stop that, or I turn around and throw a brush at her or turn around and smack her or whatever I'm going to do, technically she did get my attention. Um, And depending on how um, (laughs) your horse is, they might be like, oh no, an adverse thing happened. I don't want to do that anymore. But they also might be like, well... The adverse thing happened, but I also got what I wanted. So maybe I just need to do it a little differently. Like, clearly pawing isn't the wrong thing to do because it got what I wanted, even though I got a little more than I bargained for. So um, I like to withhold whatever they're trying to get to, um, as long as it's safe and humane. Like, if they're starving and begging for food, that's totally different than a well-fed horse um, with access to like lower quality, like maybe they have hay in their stall and they want the alfalfa pellets, right? Um, So if that's the case, I'm going to sit there and hold those alfalfa pellets and say, sorry, ma'am, pine doesn't get you anything. And I'm going to wait and wait. And usually within like 10 or 15 seconds max, usually within three to four seconds, the horse is going to go, oh, that didn't work. And when they stop, I say, good horse, and I'll proceed to feed them. Um, sometimes you have to do it in pieces. Um, I have one horse in particular who was horrible about pawing when I brought her food out. And she was at the point where it, I would bring it and I'd stand there and she'd paw, 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 paw. And finally, I, she would stop. And I'd go, good girl. And I'd take a step forward. And that step forward would initiate another round of paw, 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 paw. And then she'd stop. I'd take another step forward. But we got there. And she she eventually learned the game. She's like, oh, when I'm pawing, I don't get food. And when I stop pawing, I get food. And pretty soon she was like, oh, I shouldn't paw because I really want that food. So um, that's a way of using positive reinforcement to um, it coupled with negative punishment 
to um, shape a behavior, um, shape an undesired behavior into something more desirable. Um, And so this concept of coupling positive reinforcement and negative punishment together um, is um, what I call like the opposite corner connection um, because it's opposite corners of the uh, operant conditioning quadrants. Um, and it goes for the unpleasant stimulus, um, techniques too. So if you use negative reinforcement and positive punishment, you're going to be using unpleasant stimulus or adverse stimulus to train your horse. Um, so for example, well, really that is, um, pressure release. So anytime you're doing pressure release, you're adding a pressure to, um, indicate to the horse that you don't like the behavior that's happening right now. You would like it to change. And then you release pressure to indicate, yes, that is the change I wanted. Good job. Um, for example, let's say the horse is in your space. Um, you're like you're leading a horse or you're in a round pen with a horse or whatever is happening. You're with a horse and the horse gets in your personal space. You want them to move away. So um, a lot of traditional trainers will um, apply some sort of pressure. They'll tap them with a whip or they'll move their hands in big motions Um you don't have to use a physical pressure. So some traditional training uses physical pressure. You push the horse with like a physical touch or you tap them with a, the physical tap of a stick or you wiggle a halter um, or tap them with a rope, right? So that's like physical touch. But it can also be more about mental um, pressure or body language pressure. So you can use your body language, your arm movements, your voice, your eyes, all of that to also apply pressure. However you do it, you're applying pressure and then the horse goes, oop, I shouldn't be doing that because the pressure is not very pleasant. That motivates them to change their behavior to try and make that unpleasantness stop. Um, If you're a good trainer, then you do it in a way that motivates them to move away from you. Um, So typically if you make yourself more adverse, they want to get away from you. Um, It would not work very well if you made something really unpleasant happen on the opposite side of the horse because then they'd want to move towards you right? So there is a little bit of tact and technique that goes into it. But if you make this adverse stimulus, the horse moves away from you, then you release the adverse stimulus. And that release is the negative reinforcer. It encourages the horse. It tells them, oh, that was the correct thing to do. Thank you so much. So if you were to, let's say you apply the pressure and the horse moves away from you and you keep the pressure on, you don't stop. The horse didn't the horse isn't going to learn that that was the correct behavior then. Um, They're going to keep trying new behaviors until finally they get the one that gets the unpleasantry to stop. And then they're going to hold that in their brain and know, okay, when the human does this, I have to do this to get away or to get him to stop, right? Um, So in that way, um, we have these um, opposite corner connections between Um, the pleasant stimulus using positive reinforcement and negative punishment, and the unpleasant stimulus using negative reinforcement and positive punishment. Um, So I'm not a plus R purist because I don't purely use positive reinforcement. I also use negative punishment. Um, My training is a balance of encouraging and discouraging behaviors until I get the desired interaction with my horse. 
Um, in the same way, you cannot be a negative reinforcement purist. I hear a lot of people, um, and in fact, I can hear myself from years ago whenever I did traditional training, saying, oh, well, I just use negative reinforcement to train my horse. Um, and I said that all the time. I told people, oh, I use release. I use pressure release. I use negative reinforcement. Um, I don't use positive reinforcement, but I use negative reinforcement, and that's still nice. It's all about release and releasing pressure and making it them more comfortable. Um, but the problem with that is that you can't release the pressure unless you add it in the first place. Um, so negative reinforcement in nature is like when it starts raining and then the horse moves under a shelter and now they're out of the rain. And that reinforces that idea of, oh, you're more comfortable when you're in the shelter and it makes them want to go in the shelter more, particularly when it's raining, right? So negative reinforcement is usually pretty um, pretty strongly coupled with like a particular type of adverse stimulus. So um, maybe the horse is more comfortable in the shelter because of the rain, but then when an electric fence zaps them, they're not going to go run in the shelter to hide because that's a different type of adverse stimulus, right? Um so, um, getting back to my original point, um, you can't use negative reinforcement without using positive punishment first. So anytime you're um, releasing the pressure, you have to add it in the first place. So um, the idea behind that traditional pressure release training is that you positive punish a behavior. You say that's the wrong behavior, change it. Um, by adding an adverse, by using positive punishment, and then the horse changes up their behavior, and when it turns into the one you want, you use negative reinforcement, you release that pressure to teach them, yes, that is the correct behavior. Um, so I'm not a positive reinforcement purist. There is no such thing as a positive reinforcement purist or a negative reinforcement purist. Um, so um, that's that's my little spiel on that. I guess technically you could be one. You just won't be a very effective trainer because if you only use negative reinforcement, then um, you only release pressure, which means that you can never add pressure, which means that your horse will probably not ever be motivated to change their behavior or do anything for you. And they're not going to know when they do the right thing anyways, because you can't actually release without adding pressure in the first place. And I could technically try to be a positive reinforcement only trainer, except then I would have to be constantly giving them treats, like near constant, because anytime I start to withhold it to motivate a behavior change, I'm punishing a behavior, right? So it, it'd be very tricky to use only one quadrant. And I'm not sure it's totally possible. Um, like, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I would definitely need to, like, see it in action to believe that it's possible to actually modify behavior effectively with only ever using one quadrant and not coupling a punishment or reinforcer together. Um, because, like I think I already said, um, training is a balance of constantly encouraging and discouraging behaviors um, in order to get the desired interaction with your horse. Um, <clears throat> so, um, if I'm not here to discuss how to become a positive reinforcement purist, what is this podcast even about? Um, so I'll start by saying I'm not here to argue the efficacy of traditional training. Um, I did traditional training for a long, long time. Um, I get asked all the time to have an open mind about traditional training. Um, people saying like, oh, well, I'm open-minded about your stuff. You need to be open-minded about my stuff. And that is fair. 
Um, I guess not all the time, but I've had that happen like at least two or three times. And, um, to that, I would say, um, I do my best to be open-minded about most things. Um, if I see a horse being mistreated, then that's the end of that discussion for me. I'm not going to be open-minded about anything that involves mistreatment of an animal. Um, however, um, I grew up doing traditional training. I have a huge background in traditional training. I know that it works. Um, I'm, have been very successful in using it. Um, but that's not the discussion I'm here to have. Um, I'm not here to argue which one, um, works better or works faster because I think that the, um, amount that it works, like whether it works better or worse, um, or faster or slower, anything like that depends on the quality of the trainer, not the methods used. I think a really good positive reinforcement trainer will train a horse way quicker and way more effectively than a really, um, like a traditional trainer with a really poor training background and poor timing. Um, on the other hand, an amateur positive reinforcement trainer that doesn't know much about what they're doing and doesn't have a strong background in it is going to take way longer to train a horse and probably won't do as good of a job as a traditional trainer with an extensive history working with horses. Um, so I'm not here to talk about which is better, which works better, which works faster, anything like that. Um, I really don't care which one is better or faster or anything like that. I'm not interested in shortcuts. I'm interested in um, humane treatment of animals and the ability to have these awesome interactions and awesome um, connections with my horses. And at the end of the day, um, I think that it's inhumane to subject a horse to the constant possibility of having an adverse stimulus presented to them. Um, I think it creates a sort of glass, glass half empty type attitude from the horse where they expect um, pressure and adverse stimulus to happen all of the time. And I think that that increases spookiness um, and anxiety in the horse and stress. So I think that um, in all situations where it's possible, we need to be using pleasant stimulus to shape behavior and to um, train instead of adverse stimulus. Um, I'm not here to argue about the entire spectrum that is traditional training. Um, the same way there's a spectrum of positive reinforcement, you can have anything from, um, good boy to a scratch to, um, like a good wither scratch versus a, just a light little pet on the neck versus a, um, handful of plain grass hay versus a handful of Timothy hay versus a sugar cube. Like there are different, um, like intensity of reinforcers. Same thing goes for adverse stimulus. Um, I know that there are people out there who use gentle, gentle pressure with their horses. Um, just the tap of a finger or gentle squeezing of the leg or weight shifts. And, um, I've heard about like Tai Chi rope handling and stuff like that. Um, and that's very different than the people who are out there with barbed wire bits and chains on their horse's legs and pins in their horse's nosebands and who knows what else, right? Um, those are totally different ball games. Um, but I'm not here to really argue whether any of that is okay. Um, because again, end of the day, I think that an adverse is an adverse. Um, there's a concept that another trainer had posted about um, where she used the metaphor of it being a um, like a bank account. So every time you present a pleasant stimulus and use pleasant stimulus, you're adding um, like 
you're adding to that relationship. And every time that you use adverse stimulus, you're withdrawing from that relationship account. Um, And so at the end of the day, you're going to end up with either um, like an investment in that relationship or you're going to be neutral or have withdrawn too much from that relationship. Um, And that can make a big difference when you run into a situation where you really need the horse to be on your side and to trust you and to give you um, the give you the um, sort of the benefit of the doubt or give you the effort even if they're not sure about things. Um, So anyways, that's another discussion for another day. (laughs) But at at the end of the day, um, it's inhumane to subject them to constant adverse. Um, in every way possible, we should be using pleasant stimulus. And that is why I would allow myself to be called and I would consider myself to be a pleasant stimulus purist. Um, and because I genuinely believe that all behavior modification and all training that we do with horses can be done with pleasant stimulus. I think that there's no place for adverse stimulus training in the equestrian world. Um, and that's a huge claim. I know it's a huge, huge claim. Um, maybe I'll regret it one day, but hopefully not. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think I've said at the end of the day, like 18 times in this podcast, I apologize. Um, at the end of the week, um, I think that we should be trying to use pleasant stimulus as often as possible and try to stay away from adverse stimulus, um, in every situation possible. Um, and I'm not just here to talk the talk. I am here to walk the walk. I have a solid training program going with lots of horses from pasture pets to breeding horses to, um, like rescues that are just being rehabilitated to nice quality show horses, um, to pleasure horses. Just, I have a variety here and I work with all of them and they're all fantastic And I do it with pleasant stimulus training. Um, I don't allow adverse stimulus training on my property. Um, We only use pleasant stimulus. And um, that is a challenge that I've set forth for myself. And thus far, I've been pleasantly surprised and that it has not been as much of a challenge as I thought. Um, Time and time again, my horses proved to me that it is totally possible to communicate with them, to shape their behavior, to train them using pleasant stimulus instead of using adverse. And so um, in this podcast series, my goal is to make one podcast a week. Um, And every week I will make one, I will record it, I will upload it, talking about an experience that I've had that has stood out in the past week, Um, and just talking about the training theory, um, maybe a little bit about the politics of the horse world, a little bit about my horses, which is what you're all really here for, Um, and any other background or anything we need to talk about, we'll just sort of have a discussion, um, a very one-sided discussion about um, something involving pleasant stimulus training or an example of pleasant stimulus training, um, and how it, how it goes. So hopefully I can help you with your pleasant stimulus training, um, or I can help you to just better understand what this crazy positive reinforcement training business is all about. Um, and I hope that I can do it in, um, a kind and authentic way, um, so that everybody can, 
better understand what everybody else is talking about. Um, So that's it for episode one. Feel free to leave me a voice message on the Anchor app or uh, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or however you want to reach out to me. Um, I would love to hear back from anybody who's listening to this. And um, have a great week. I will see you in hopefully seven days or less. This has been Steph on the Plus R Purist.